Hello, welcome to another episode of the Hope and Motivates Action podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Recknell, and I have a guest with very cool perspectives to share with you today. Scott Thomas Sauer is owner of Great Scott Construction, a construction firm in Calgary, Alberta, specializing in home renovations, additions, and multifamily condominium community capital projects and maintenance. Scott is married to Sheila, and together they are raising three children while maintaining and growing their business. Before learning how to renovate homes, Scott was a professional actor and director for live stage performances. Much of his career in the theater was in Hong Kong, where he lived for six years. Scott has found that his experience in directing stage performances translates very well to the construction industry, where there are budgets, timelines, audiences, also known as clients, actors, the trades, and an opening night when projects are handed over to clients for them to enjoy. Scott's story is both inspirational and motivational, and I think you're really going to like it. As a reminder, if you're interested in any of the books, resources, and tools I mentioned in this episode, all the links you'll need can be found in the show notes of your favorite podcast player, or head to the blog and pod page of my website at www.expertinhope.com, and you'll find them all there too. I truly believe that the future will be better than today by taking action over the things we can control, and conversations like this really reinforce that hope. So without any more delay, let's get to it. Hello, Scott. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. It has been such a pleasure to get to know you on a business level, but also on a, prof- on a personal level. And I think you have a real, uh, quite an incredible story to share with people. So let's just jump right in. Uh, tell us, share with us your story of how you use hope to motivate action. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to start by answering that question by saying that first, Action is generally required when, in my life, in my experience, action has been required when, when I've got some kind of change in front of me. So usually that's when I'm at a crossroads where I have to make some sometimes hard decisions from multiple um, potential outcomes. Um, and choosing a path can be a very difficult thing. But knowing that you're at one of those moments where you are choosing a path and looking down that path and seeing if that's where you want to go is, is critical. And so I have used hope by looking forward as far as a human being can see forward in time and in life by seeing what the potential outcome is and going for it. That feels very intentional and very planful. That. I am not actually that way. Um, I'm talking on a broad sense. So um, for me, choosing that pathway is often an emotional choice, which is never great in business, of (laughs) course, uh, and and never great in lots of things. But when it comes to living your life, uh, for me anyway, for me living my life, um, I have to feel good about a direction. I usually don't know what is in that direction, but I have to know that, that I'm going a direction that I choose to go. Uh, can you think of an example of a time where you were looking down that hopeful path yeah, and you chose yeah. that path and it took you on an adventure? I, I've got my timeline in my life is has a few fairly major um, shifts. The Probably the largest one was when I graduated from the University of Lethbridge in Alberta um, and decided to buy a one-way ticket to Hong Kong. 
with about $300 Canadian in my pocket. So I did that. What inspired? What inspired that choice? If I I could interrupt you. I've told the story a few times. So what what I've come up with really is that it was a fear. It was a fear. So I have to lay out the situation for you a little bit. So I I studied theater arts at the University of Lethbridge, which I loved. It was a lifelong passion when I went into it. And when I finished at it, I figured I was okay at it. Um, And I wanted to go and do it somewhere. But I was really afraid to go to Toronto. I was really afraid to go to New York. I was really afraid to go to L.A. And I didn't see a whole lot of future in Calgary at that time in the theater. And this is about 2002. So I decided that I would go somewhere where there was a theater scene where um, I might have something to offer. And I took a gamble. I mean, I had one family member, two family members actually, who had lived in Hong Kong for a short period of time. And I picked their brains and and they would know about the the art the arts community. And I did some, you know, in 2002, the internet was there. It's not as strong as it was, as it is now. But uh, there was some research that I could do to get myself there and to feel confident that that I would have a shot there at something. So I went and um, I taught English for a few months and things developed. And uh, I was able to support myself doing theater in Hong Kong for six years. And it was great. It sounds great. And what a, I mean, it, you know, you said that you kind of go on intuition, you, you know, you make these big, mm-hmm. bold choices. Um, but still it feels like, I guess, even when you, after you've made those choices, it feels, uh, not calculated, but you know, you, you no. assess the ri- <laughs> but you assess the risks. Like it, it feels like you, you know, you spoke to your family members, you, researched where to go there there seems to be a little yeah. bit of plotting in there perhaps not uh only yes, fly by I, the seat of your pants I, i'm i'm a broad thinker i'm not a detailed person i'm not a great planner to be honest um i really just i didn't have a place to stay exactly when i landed in hong kong i knew of a place i could go and probably find a bed and i was lucky it, it worked but so I, 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 I'm certainly not one to get um, paralyzed by details of planning when it comes to these broad leaps. Um, things have a way of working themselves out. Yeah, how amazing. I have a, a similar story, if you can indulge me for a minute. Please. Uh, it was in 1998, so quite a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. The guy I was seeing at the time was a fast pitch player here in Calgary, which is um, underhand, um, underhand pitch, but with a small ball, not a softball, but a baseball. And I got it into my head. One of his, the, one of the players on his team here in Calgary had played in New Zealand our winter before. So I got it into my head that he needed to go play ball in New Zealand so that I could tag along and just go on a trip to New Zealand. I'm 19 years old. And I decided Uh that this is what I need for my life. And, and he's going to be my, you know, catalyst to get me there. He wasn't convinced, but if anybody who knows me, uh, tenacity is one of my, uh, virtues. And so eventually I just said, you know, I'm going to buy a ticket and I'd love for you to come. And if you don't cool, but I hope you do. And so, um, we bought a ticket and same, same story. We didn't know anybody there. We knew that this guy had played on the team. Um, my dad knew somebody in where they live that 
had a connection. So we met up with them for coffee before we went, got the name of people. This is in 1998. So even like four years before mm-hmm. your internet, I, yeah. I randomly found this family who would do a house swap, except I wasn't swapping any houses. They were just going to let us live with them in Auckland for a bit. Nice. Um, they were a family from Wisconsin. So we literally flew into Auckland, took a cab to these strangers' house. They put us up for a week while we called down to Christchurch to figure out what it was we were going to do. Got a hold of this team, flew down there, stayed in a hotel while we got an apartment, went and met the team, and then he played for the season. And then we came back home six months later. And it was Wonderful. amazing. But yeah. you know, you just you kind of go on these leaps of faith. My future is going to be better than today because you know, we can see that vision. And then we just make it happen. And we have these great stories to tell for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there, of course, are times during these events and, and through this passage of life that the vision becomes cloudy mm-hmm. and and things are a little bit murky. And um, I feel like I'm coming out of one of those after another big transition, even though it was one that my my intuition told me I needed to take, and it was right, as usual. Um, it uh, There have been some difficult adjustments in that. So that's been interesting. So what what is the signal that you feel intuitively that makes you think, okay, it's time to make a move here? Anything that you could suggest that people might be feeling or hearing in their own minds and bodies? Well, I, there, there have been two really significant moments when I felt that intuition. Uh, the last time was about 12 years ago and things that life has changed a lot in, the, in 12 years. So there's, um, there's a large boat floating down the river and I'm on it and it's staying its course for some time. Um, but in those two moments, I remember feeling um, that there just wasn't another decision for me that I could be happy with, that I would not feel regret for in the future. And that was my my guide. So you were one of these crossroads that you mentioned yeah. where the only choice that you could feel comfortable with was the one to make a change. Yes. Yeah. Again, it feels like intentionality to me. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes, in a broad sense. Like yeah. Very broad. You know, a poke in the dark, but one that where you know, okay, this is the right direction, although we're still in darkness. Yeah. Yeah. But we have we we have hope that that future will be better than today if we yeah. keep if we if we walk down this path instead of the path that we're on. Yes. Awesome. All right. So six years you're in Hong Kong. You're living your best life as a mm-hmm. theater star. Um, kind of a big deal. And then where was the next pivot? What brought you home? Well, it was love. It was uh, uh, what I saw in a long-standing future and some a relationship that had ticked all, all of my boxes, which I literally had written out after you know a few trial and error um, relationships. So when all of those boxes were ticked, um, I was willing to to do anything to form my life around this relationship. And that, my wife, Sheila, uh, we met in Hong Kong. She's from the US. And uh, 
when it became apparent that she was going to leave Hong Kong, I decided that I would make plans to do the same. It wasn't instantaneous. It took about a year and a half, two years to sort of wrap everything up that I was involved with, um, which is a different story because she was fairly quick to leave once she uh, secured some employment out of Calgary, out of a, a Calgary-based company. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was the, the, the most major, clear um, moment of intuition that told me that although I was, as you said, really living my best life, it was great. I was having a great time. I was doing exactly what I wanted to do. And I, I put an end to all of it because my intuition told me that it was time to change. That was difficult because uh, of, I was in a happy place. Well, and we don't always listen to our intuition. Um, and maybe, you know, looking back, hindsight being 2020, you recognize that it was your intuition driving you, but oh, yeah. I'm not awesome at listening to my intuition. And looking back, I often think, damn, I wish I'd, I wish I'd listened. Um, mm -hmm. is, yours feels very well honed. Well, I, I don't know. I, I only have the one, so I have no comparison. Um, but I ha I do know that um, in other instances in life, when I haven't listened to my intuition, uh, I, I regretted that. Yeah, I I can I can see it. I have lived yeah. that dream also. Okay, so now you're back in Calgary. Uh, are mm -hmm. you doing theater here? Yeah, I did. I when I came back, I I I um, had a audition for some shows and was involved with several shows that toured through Alberta um, and had ambitions to continue my career here in Calgary. Um, but at a certain point, while the wheel of life was turning with marriage and a purchase of a house and a, a child coming, um, I, again, realized through intuition, maybe more less through intuition this time and just through practicality, that it wasn't going to, one, give me the same sense of satisfaction that I was able to achieve overseas because of the projects I was involved with, the, the level of, of work that we were doing, um, and being paid for it. That was... A major factor. <laughs> fair. It has to be. Yeah. yeah fair. Totally. So I I decided to make another shift. And and this is where the some of the murky waters for me personally have been over the last 10 years. Just professionally, like sort of, sort of finding my space, um, developing my skills in many new ways to me that I wasn't really familiar with before. And and making that work for me. Uh, so yeah, th that was my 10-year period. My maybe not quite 10 years, probably more like six-year period where uh, th things were a little little bit more difficult for me. And I was felt like, to, to use the illusion again, that I was in the dark, knowing that I was going in a direction that would work out. Oh, did you, like, looking back, do you believe or do you think that you drew on a specific I don't know character trait or 
tool or something, because often when we get into that murky place, we get into that place we're not sure about, it's hard to keep moving forward when it gets especially tough. Even if we have that goal in mind, if that goal is not clear or if it's not guaranteed, when the going gets rough, it's hard to keep going. Um, Yeah. Do you have any ideas with that? I guess I've always considered myself and and by rights was trained to be a hard worker. Um, that hard work has carried me through uh, a lot of different situations in life and, and allowed me to travel a fair amount in my life um, by simply doing hard work. And in my case, especially in early years and still today, um, depending on the day, some very hard labor work was was something that I was good at and and taught me how to work through pain sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that sort of comfort level with just grinding, just keeping going, working through problems, solving problem after problem is is what I do now on a daily basis. Um, and and so maybe that's it. Maybe just hard work and the understanding that there are going to be roadblocks to deconstruct before you can have passage. Persistence and grit. Yes. Well, and it's cool because what you just described to me, that um, ability to overcome all those barriers and obstacles that get in the way, that's what we in the positive psychology world call pathways thinking. Um, Listeners of the show know this theory uh, a lot because I speak about it a lot, but hope theory is goals. So clear goals uh, in future plus agency thinking, which is that ability to to take control over the things we can control using our internal Mm -hmm. motivation to move us towards the thing. And then pathways thinking. So goals plus agency plus pathways thinking is that barriers and obstacles to get out of the way because you can't continue moving forward towards that hopeful future if you stop at every dead end along the way. You know, there's this analogy that says if you were driving your car and came to a dead end, you're not just going to get out of your car and walk away. <laughs> you're going to figure out a way out. You're going to turn around. You're going to make a left, whatever. You're not just going to get out of the get out of the car and say, "No, nah, guess that's over." You know? <laughs> nice one. Yes. Yeah. And it, it, it is, it, I mean, I know you to be a very hopeful person. Um, and this conversation just reinforces what I know about you. And I think, I think that persistence and grit that you described is definitely, uh, something that you, I can, I can see you having leaned on in those hard times. Hmm. I also know that you did 180 from theater. Tell us about the career you're in now. Well, that was part of the development over the past uh, 12 or so years. Um, But, you know, through hope and through grit, I discovered that my skills in the theater are quite transferable into the construction world. People are surprised when they hear of my theatrical background and and, and know what I do now, which is to renovate spaces and and to build things. but I, uh, after learning a lot of skills, uh, practical trade type skills over the past decade or so, uh, I have used my, my training and my experience in putting together a production or a show to 
put together a project. And so the skills are transferable. We have an audience in theater. In, in construction, we have a client who is an audience. We have budgets and timelines in both, both streams. And we have actors. We have tradespeople. Actors and tradespeople are very similar. Often in character, they're very similar. So it, it, I, I found that uh, it was a beautiful transition uh, with many hiccups and many moments in the dark, but uh, things are working. Well, and I think that's a very, very cool perspective. So often you and I are about the same age. And I feel like often when we get, you know, we get so far along our career, especially if we have it in our mind, this is what we're going to do. This is what we've been educated to do. And we're on this pathway. It's hard for many of us to see that there could be other options, especially if we've only done one thing or, you know, Yes. One field mm-hmm. of study. And then we go, well, what what possible transferable skills do I have? And nobody's going to make a connection between theater and construction. But how you just described it feels totally real. And of course it is. And it's yeah. just a matter of perspective. And I, I, I think, you know, it would behoove us to think more creatively along those lines sometimes if we are thinking about pursuing a different passion. And one of those obstacles in our way is, our mind block that says, well, I don't have the skills to do that. Well, maybe we do. Well, it, I, I think that uh, most of us have the skills to learn and, and that's really all you need. Um, you know, there's a reason why we read to our kids every night, even if we're really tired, um, because we firmly believe that, uh, you know, I, I firmly believe that reading to them and inspiring them to be curious and to, um, live vicariously as much as they can until they are able to make decisions that that point them in a direction um, is a key lesson and if i've if i've delivered that then that's my goal as a father mm-hmm. success yeah. um is so i imagine that lifelong learning feels like one of your values it does um i i also want to just say for the record that there are so many things that I feel like I'm neglecting learning that I would want to learn uh, because of time constraints. And that's mm-hmm. just a decision. It's just the way it has to be. Yeah. Speaking of perspective, right? I It yeah. drives me crazy when people say they can't find the time. No, no, you're choosing not to. And that's okay. You that's, get to choose. Yeah, it's necessary. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. In, in fact, it's often necessary. Um, but I... I I like the again the perspective that we are choosing our priorities, and I think that's cool. And and you know it it gives it gives me a sense of confidence when I recognize that these are choices that I'm making, and I can choose to make other ones as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, it drives me bonkers when people say they can't find the time, but you can if you wanted to. You can you, you can if you want to, and, no? and you can delay that too. You can. Uh, in my case, people often ask me if if I will ever tread the boards or or be an actor or a director again? And my answer is, I, yes, that is my goal. Um, I, I want to do it when um, when I've shed some obligations, <laughs> yeah. some long-term obligations, um, and, and I can do it with free heart and put everything I have into it, even if I don't expect to to earn my bread from it. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the putting all the other obligations into place first, becoming independently yeah. wealthy, perhaps, you know, <laughs> then we can do our passion projects. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, what gives you hope? Well, um, 
as I've alluded to through our conversation, Lindsay, I'm a father. Uh, so what is giving me hope and fire right now for the future is my children. Uh, I'm watching them grow and having this opportunity to um, guide them through the, the best means that I have into a world that is often darkness, but to point them in a direction that is good gives me hope. Feels very hopeful to me. They are our future, right? And if we can mm -hmm. give them great foundations and teach them how to make the choices and inspire their um, uh, precariousness and and their what was the language you used Vic to be vicarious, you know that is that is very very hopeful. This has been such a wonderful mm -hmm. conversation, Scott. I so appreciate you sharing your story with us and your journey. Um, a lot of the listeners that listen to the show are, are like you are like me, you know, just regular people who are trying to do their best thing and live their best life. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I always want people to take away from these shows, a sense of what they might do next or, or a different perspective. And I think you really delivered that today. So I really appreciate you spending your time with us. A pleasure and a privilege. Thank you. Take care. And I'll talk to you again really soon. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. These episodes are a labor of love. Inspiring conversations with hopeful people make my heart happy. If you also love this episode, it would be amazing if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Five stars if you're into it. It's these reviews that encourage Apple to promote this podcast to their network. And the more people that listen, the more hope we can spread into the world. Don't forget to check out the show notes of this episode to find all the links to my guests, books, and other resources referenced in this episode. You'll also find the link back to my website where you will find additional support and resources for you, your team, and your community. I truly believe that the future will be better than today by taking action over the things we can control. And hearing from these guests on these episodes, I know that even more hopeful future is totally possible. I'm always looking for inspirational guests, so if you or anyone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. You can find me on the contact form of my website at expertinhope.com or by email at lindsay at expertinhope.com. When I was a teenager and my sisters were leaving the house to go out for the night, I always made it a point to remind them to call me if they need me. It was my way to tell them that I cared and would always be there for them. I'd love you to know the same, so all of you listening out there, call me if you need me. Again, thank you for your love and support of this podcast, my work in hope, and your intentional focus on making your future better than today. After all, hope without action is just a wish. <laughs>